Hey guys, Michael here with the Rare Petrol Podcast, bringing you another live edition of what in the heck just happened in oil and gas for the week of June 17th, 2019. We are live on YouTube at about 12.08 and change here on June 20th, Mountain Standard Time. If you're listening to this on the podcast on iTunes and or SoundCloud, you will be hearing this sometime Thursday afternoon or Friday morning. Very little clerical work to do today. As always, just subscribe to everything. We are on this podcast can be found on iTunes and on YouTube, SoundCloud. You can look us up on Instagram, Facebook. Email me at podcast at rarepetro.com. Look me up, look us up on LinkedIn. Anywhere you can search Rare Petro, we are on there. I think we even have a Google Plus. I don't even know if Google Plus is a thing, but I'm pretty sure we have a, fi- a page on Google Plus. So if, if you're if if you're one of the six people on Google Plus, go ahead and reach out link with us. I'll make sure to get on there and link up with you. Um, but just subscribe to all of us. We really appreciate everybody link, uh, linking up with us and who have interacted with the show. And uh, let's just go ahead and dive right into it. So really, we have, really, honestly, it's been an a absolutely crazy week. We have contract rollover that happened. We have an insane oil spike due to some China trade talks, EIA and API report, huge draws. We have some terrorism. I want to go ahead. I know I just kind of dropped terrorism there super lightly, but it's really kind of what happened here this morning, actually. Um, we're going to go ahead and look at something new called the commitment to traders, and then we'll go ahead and look at the wedge trade of the week. So let's go ahead and get going here and let's roll over to the charts here. Here's our sort of weekly chart here. Monday was a really muted day. The reason why that was muted was actually because it was a contract rollover. If we actually take a look at some of the charts here. So right here, when we look at this first chart here on YouTube, this is a continuous contract, which means this is just taking into account every day it rolls over. Well, if we look at what happens on Monday and Tuesday and even Wednesday, we start to see the volume really die off because that's the July contract. What's happening on the 17th, 18th, and 19th is the entire industry is shifting from trading the July contract to the August contract. So if we look over at this other chart that I have actually labeled our GOAT chart, so if you're on the podcast, it might be a good time to switch over to, to YouTube. But what we can see is I changed it from the continuous contract, which is just the current front month contract, as we see on this chart, to if we go over here, I'm using the specific August contract, and we can see the 18th and 19th, that volume really picked up. And so we actually, I hear sort of the wedge channel of the week that we'll get to in a in a second. But so... But what that means is Monday was such a muted day. There wasn't really anything that happened Monday. You know, the market opened technically Sunday night, but the mar- the market opened at 52.65 and that day it closed at 51.94 and we only saw about a 50 cent movement. Not much in there to really do. We actually do have our trade of the week that happens in there, which ends up being a... Uh, Actually, a wedge trade we'll get to in a second that came against a volume bench, but we'll get there in a second. Really, what happens is is this is the crazy stuff is what happens Tuesday, and this actually really affected not just oil but the entire market. But there was really, 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 really good trade talks that happened with China. Trump came out and tweeted that said he had a very good phone conversation with President Xi of China. We'll having an extended meeting next week at the G20 in Japan. Our respective teams will be talking prior. They basically they didn't the Chinese state did not confirm that a meeting place. Uh, that the meet that the meeting took place, but Gene McKillen, who's the vice president of market research for Tradition Energy, basically said right now it's a ru- this is a rumor driven market. There's an expectation that if you're able to reach a trade resolution, it would help global economic growth and therefore oil demand. So any positive steps that happened in this oil 
happens in the China trade talks, we are going to see a reflection of the price, and we see that in a chart. With when Trump tweeted that at about six uh, at about six a.m. our time, we can see boom. We saw all of a sudden oil was trading at fifty one fifty three. The next thing we know, before anyone before the market could take a breath, oil was up fifty four twenty one, and it really be, it really hung out there for the for, for the next couple of days. The, really, the the next big thing that happened Tuesday was the EIA came out and said we actually saw or the API came out two thirty on Tuesday and said there's an eight uh, about an eight hundred thousand draw, which on top, which normally would actually come out and tank the market a little. Normally would actually come and tank the market a little bit, bit, and we actually sort of see that, and the we actually see a little slippage. We actually see a little slippage right there. We can see this. We can see the slippage that goes on right there. The problem was because these China trade talks, there was such positive news throughout the day in the China trade talks. Oil are, was already up $3. It's going to be super difficult to, for any sort of that news to tank it. And even when we roll into Wednesday, the only really crazy thing that happened was the IA came out. Instead of saying there was a 1800 uh, excuse me, 800,000 draw, they came out and said there was a 3.1 million barrel draw. They were only forecasted about 2.2 million barrel draw. So really that kind of sent the market not into a crazy tailspin but just sort of it was super muted normally you would have an insane normally you would have a huge drop in the price but because we had such positive china trade talk news the market didn't really react as we expected and when that when it opened it at $54 pretty much even for Wednesday it closed trading at 54.16 so only a net 16 cent gain i mean there was some opportunities to maybe get in and out of the market during that day but really the EIA came out and really didn't do anything really what forced oil up this week? I mean, you want to talk about when the market opened, oil was at fifty two sixty two. It currently, right now, at on Thursday at twelve fourteen, as we record this, it's now trading above fifty seven dollars. So you're talking about a five dollar movement. The majority of that was taken place by the good news on the China trade talks on Tuesday, and then unfortunately this morning there actually was a uh, Iran shot down a U.S. drone in what the U.S. is calling an unprovoked attack in international airspace. Um, the, the the downing came amid rising tensions between Washington and Tehran since that Trump administration has really decided to withdraw from the 2015 Iran nuclear agreement. The U.S. has actually recently accused Iran of, of attacking oil tankers in the Persian Gulf. And the, the obviously the Iranians deny this allegation. But we talked about those terrorist attacks on those tankers. And, and, you know, Iran has been completely sketchy about saying anything. But that just is another huge event. And anytime there is a, a terrorism act that can be, you know, associated with two oil producing countries, it's going to have a large effect. Brent crude jumped 2.86%. And WTI jumped 355 Um you know, the, basically there's a, you know, Navy Captain Bill Urban, who's the U.S. Central Command spokesperson, said this in a statement that the U.S. Central Command can confirm that a U.S. Naval Broad Area Marine Time Surveillance, or what they call BAMS-D, ISR aircraft was shot down by an Iranian surface-to-air missile system while operating in international airspace over the Strait of Hormuz at approximately 11.35 p.m. Greenwich Mountain Time on June 19, 2019. What's crazy is that the Strait of Hormuz is such a critical conduit for oil and gas flow because 30% of the world's seabound oil flows through that conduit. If there is any news that goes on in that Strait of Hormuz, it is going to really react oil, and it's going to show that by spiking oil and saying that there's going to be a restriction of the supply because who knows what happens in that Strait. So just a crazy day, you know, when that information came out at uh, 11:35 Grinnell Mountain Time, you can see an oil absolutely spike. That was an app. That was a crazy 15-minute bar. I don't know if you can see this on YouTube, but an absolutely insane 15-minute bar. Moving along now to our 
Long-term chart, as you can see, the volume bench trade that we had broke out actually um, on the broke out yesterday, or, or actually broke out this morning of that volume bench due to that. And you can see when it broke out of that volume bench, where did it run to and where did it stop? It it, it, it broke out of that volume bench at 54.24 and ran all the way up to 57.54. So that's kind of the, the you know I don't want to get too technical in here, but that's the power of technicals. And sometimes oil reacts not nest not oil reacts yes to a fundamental event but it responds extremely technically and sort of ends up at where a lot of our volume bench lines are so not much there uh you could just, you could have played a breakout trade right there it's like i said the volume you know volume bench broke and you could have had a price run if you were a breakout trader that would have been a supreme opportunity to get in but moving along now to our wedge tr- um um Excuse me, before we get into that, I actually don't want to get into that. I want to go ahead and look at a new thing I want to show you guys, which is called the commitment of traders. So a lot of people are always wondering, okay, Michael, you know, I get, you know, I can, you know, I get I can go Google what, you know, someone on say, someone on some foreign exchange website, you know, someone on some blog can tell me what trade you can do. You can tell me what trades you can do. But really, I want to know what are the professionals doing? What are the people who 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 make their living in oil and gas, the hedge fund guys, the the, the hedge fund managers, the private equity people? Um the head, uh, the traders that work for private oil and gas companies like BP and Shell, who are who are always trying to hedge against it. What are they doing in this market, and how are the professionals reading this market? Well, there's something that's very interesting, and I want to show you. If you're on YouTube, I encourage you. If you're not listening to this on YouTube, I encourage you to go take a look, or I encourage you to go to the Google Doc that's in the comments on iTunes and SoundCloud. I have a link to the commitment of traders. What the commitment of traders is is it show is if you are a professional trader or you operate in this business as a professional. They keep track of all of the positions taken by every professional. Right now, there are 351 total, basically registered traders, and those. And what I mean by traders, those are basically institutions. Each institution basically has one trader that submits all of their stuff. So when we do, when we see total traders as in uh, 351, that's more. I think of that as institutions, not necessarily individual traders per se. But really, what we're looking at right here is this position. Is this right here? This is the commitment of traders for all futures contracts through as of June 11th. Basically, what this is is the is when a, someone takes a position, they're either taking a position long or they're taking a position short. And that is then logged. And so what we can take a look at is we're looking at the crude oil light suite for the US, the New York Mercantile Exchange contracts of a thousand mills. These are our bread and butter right here. These are our bread and butter right here. These are all the positions taken by professional traders in the crude oil market. And we have four categories. We have producer, merchants, processors, and users. Those are your classic people. Those are your classic people that work for, let's say, Shell, who has a trading team and what their their job to their job is to basically trade oil and help supplement the income that they make. They're also hedgers. So um, what, the, what what those people are is those are the commitments and these are the two area and 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 it's also swap deals so producers merchants and swap deals those are basically companies attempting to just hedge so that because they're also in the physical market and will be taking physical base and will be taking physical delivery of this you know when we trade an oil and gas contract I never want to take delivery of a thousand barrels of oil I don't know where I would put it but someone like Shell they actually do want to take delivery if they can lock it in at a certain price so swap dealers and producers and merchants these first two categories are hand are, are, are people who are actually taking physical in who are actually taking physical inventory of crude oil managed money and other reportables 
All the reportables are your hedge fund. Manage money are your professional people that manage money for other clients. So those are really good to look at because those are the professionals who are who you give your money and say, go make me more money. And these are what those people are doing. Other reportables are your classic hedge funds and smaller time professional traders. And so it's always interesting to look at. As you can see with the producers and the swap dealers, they generally have the majority of the positions. They have they they, they command a majority of the open interest just because that's where they're able to buy in much more bulk. So there's a couple interesting things when you look at a commitment of traders that you want to look at. The first is you want to always look at the total positions and the open interest. Right now, there's about 200, there's about 2 million, con, oh, there's about 2 million contracts currently available right now to either be bought or sold. That's what's known as the open interest. And then when you look at kind of the breakdown of the positions, you can look at basically producers are split. They have 400, they have about 450,000 contracts split down the middle. They have about 450,000 contracts, both long and short, meaning they're split. They don't really know what the market's going on. And basically the reason why you're seeing that is they, is that's a classic hedge position. And then when you look at the swap dealers, and then when you go over to the swap dealers, these are the people inside those companies that are actually trying to hedge against the uncertainty. So what they're so the reason why this is completely flipped, you can see they only have about 138,000 contracts long and about 515,000 con, contracts short. So what they're telling you is they expect oil to continue to rise over the next couple months and they're hedging their bets by going short the futures market. You know, every producer is long the the physical market because they're producing barrels of oil every single day like this for example Apache oil every barrel of oil they produce that is technically that is technically a long future that is technically a long position in the physical market well how do you hedge against that will you take a short position in the futures market in case things position so if all of a sudden you start getting less oil tanks and you start getting less per incremental barrel of oil instead of getting 60 now you're getting 50 well now you've gained that incremental dollar back because you were short the futures market so generally you see generally when oil is going up you see this ratio flipped towards the short side on the head on the swap side if it's if oil is in a very if, if it's a depression market and oil is really tanking you'll see that flip and really watching those two numbers flip is a great way to figure out where these where these big producers who are in the physical market what they're thinking when we move over to the managed money this is where we look at okay the people who do this for a living what do they see is going on these are not necessarily hedge fund managers but these are people that run big private institutions these are people that bung run big mutual funds that dabble in all sorts of different things. So if we look at their managed money is all long, 214,000 contracts long to only about 96,000 contracts short. So in the interim, they're long. What's fascinating though, is let's go ahead and look at the change. So on June 4th, there were, so from June 4th, this is updated every weekly on the managed money side, the professional people that manage your, I mean, you know, if your parents, uh, your parents' money, your money, if you've invested in mutual funds that are, are, are diversified into possibly in possibly in commodities, this could be where your this could be where some of your money is. What the managed money people are telling you is yes, they are obviously net long, two hundred fourteen thousand contracts long to only ninety six thousand short, but they shed. 24,000 long contracts last week and added 27,000 short contracts. So even in this market that's going continually straight up, what we're seeing is even in a you know in in this market while we've had this while Thursday we had a huge spike in oil, this week all the trade last week all the traders decided to go short and all, all decided that we're going to actually add more short positions than long positions. So we're seeing a balancing. The industry is currently really, really long, and we're kind of seeing that tighten, you know, and we can also see that on the other reportable side. So when we look at the long, when we look at the long and the short side, hedge fund guys are all long. These guys flip very consistently. When we talk about other reportables, um, they're all long, 300,000 contracts to 65,000 contracts 
uh, short. And I mean, a lot of these guys are, and, and these numbers flip very quickly because hedge fund guys, they change on the fly. They are not, you know, manage money. You know, I, I may do a podcast series where I kind of, we can kind of get into some of the the classic trading techniques of a lot of these bigger guys, but manage money people generally trade off what we call moving averages, and they look for very and they look for very specific indicators that pretty much everybody in the industry does. You, know, you can go back and look at a chart in the S and P five hundred and really map out where managed money got in and out. If once you kind of just not learn the rule, there's no secret handshake, but it's it's just you know it's the, what the majority of managed money do because if you do anything different than what the system really wants you to do, you may end up losing your job. So there's a lot of reasons why it's done the way it is, but you know, right now, managed money acts in a certain way, and maybe at some point we'll get into that. Um, so that's kind of the overview of the commitment of traders. We'll be looking at this every week. We won't go as I won't necessarily explain as deeply what the commitment of traders is each week. So if you, so thank you for going and listening to this part because I'll go ahead and play it next week. So I'm, the next couple weeks, I'm just going to go ahead and just roll right through it. Um, finally, before we finish up, we need to take a look at the wedge trading channel of the week. So this is actually a trading chart that I have. Um, that, that I use week to week. I know I set up a nice little weekly chart for you, but the chart I actually trade off of is right here. And I actually had a really good wedge wedge set up. Um, if you see on a 30-minute chart, um, this goes back to about June 14th, or excuse me, about June 12th, we saw a we kind of we saw a downward depression and basically an upward sloping wedge when the wedge started to converge upon a Fibonacci line at $53 even because that was also a volume bench line. It would have been a great idea to go ahead and go short. And if you did, you could have gotten in you know, there's multiple entrance points you could have gotten in on. You could have gotten in at about, uh, you could have gotten in really early on June 16th. You could have gotten in a little later that night at about, you could have gotten in on the 17th at about midnight. But really the key is you had, you would have getting in that, you know, the 16th when the market opened June 16th, that Sunday night, basically you would have sat in at about one o'clock. The price went about 52.84, which would have been a really good entrance point. You know, the one I was spying was somewhere at that fib line, which would have been at 52.95. And you could have sold down there that next, um, you know, that next day, right before the market rolls over, you could have sold for about 51.81 and you could have made, you know, pretty good. It's about, it's, it's about, you know, it's a pretty good sizable profit. So that's sort of the, the wedge channel of the week. Obviously, when you saw, obviously right at that bottom, there was an insane talk because that was trade talks. That would have been a trigger to get out. Once you saw those, the Trump, the, the, the tweet from Trump drop, that would have been a signal for your exit point. Entrance point here, exit point somewhere around here. You may have, you may have gotten a little, you may have gotten more you you may you know you may have gotten out at the fifty two ten range just because you 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 couldn't have expected the tweet you saw the tweet next thing you know oil's jumped up twenty cents so you 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 have you have to be quick on the trigger there and reacting that stuff um, and if we go ahead and look on our weekly chart scrolling back you can see it happened about Monday right there and that your exit point would have been somewhere around here hopefully maybe hopefully you would have gotten out before it completely ran up you would have been able to um, but that's our wedge channel of the week and with that. I'm going to go ahead and let you guys get back to work. Thank you, as always, for checking out what in the heck just happened in oil and gas for June, for the week of June 17th, 2019. And as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for helping me modernize the oil field.